Well, we have been working our way through Matthew's uh, genealogy for Jesus. He lists five women. Well, that list is not, he names or mentions five women. So we're on number four uh, this morning. Each one of them has a unique story, made a notable contribution to Jesus' family tree. Uh, I'm sure you've all heard the, the, the line, behind every man, every great man, there's a great woman. great woman, even Jesus. In fact, there's four, oh, five, they get her mentioned here in his family tree. <laughs> yeah. And some of them, we, we, when we read the, their story, we go, what? Whoa, whoa, that was not the what kind of crate I was expecting. So we're looking at their stories and uh, discovering how our stories and their stories can connect and prepare us for Jesus' coming. So quick reminder of Jesus' genealogy from Matthew, not reading the whole thing, the first six verses uh, bring us the first four women mentioned or named by Matthew. This is the record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Sarah by Tamar. Perez Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Abinadab, Abinadab, the father of Nashan, and Nashan, the father of Solomon, Solomon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Oh, wait a minute. How come she doesn't have her name listed? Well, that's a good question. And you'll probably, I, I'm going to let you figure it out as we talk about her. Uh, if you're following along, you want to know her story. It's kind of... Uh, Here's the, here's the Reader's Digest condensed, encapsulated parable version of it by, uh, presented by Nathan to David. It's 2 Samuel chapter 12. Uh, Nathan was a preacher slash prophet. Uh, you know, preachers are the ones who meddle in your life. I tell you, you know, they're the ones who just go from talking about how bad your neighbors are to telling you, oh, you screwed up. And Nathan showed up to talk to David the king, King David. The Lord sent Nathan to David, it tells us in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord sent Nathan to David. By the way, that's the only time you should really show up at somebody's doorstep to say, to give, deliver this kind of news when the Lord sends you. That's, that's in the parentheses that 
between the lines that Pastor Mark inserted there that's not actually in your Bible. Okay? So here, here's what this says. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to David, the king, Nathan said that there were two men in a certain city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except for a little lamb he had acquired. He raised it, and he grew up alongside him and his children. It used to eat his food and drink from his cup and sleep in his arms. It was just like a daughter to him. When a traveler arrived at the rich man's home, he did not want to use one of his own sheep or cattle to feed the traveler who had come to visit him. Instead, he took the poor man's lamb and cooked it for the man who had come to visit him. Then David became very angry at this man. He said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. Because he committed this cold-hearted crime, he must pay for the lamb four times over. Well, I'm going to stop there for a moment. Life had been good to Uriah's life. Her name, by the way, is Bathsheba. That's her name. Life had been good to Bathsheba. Her father was one of King David's valiant bodyguards. He had an inner circle of three, and then there was a circle of 30 valiant men. David, uh, Bathsheba's father, was one of the 30. Her grandfather was one of David's advisors, one of King David's advisors with Bathsheba's grandfather. Uriah, her husband, was one of the 30. He was one of King David's bodyguards. Life was good. Bathsheba disliked the spring, however. The spring of the year was the season when kings went out to war. Her father and her husband were away fighting battles for King David, but King David remained in Jerusalem. Bathsheba had just finished her late evening bath when there was a knock on her door. Messengers from King David came to take her to him. Can only imagine what was going through her mind. What could it mean? What had happened to Uriah? What had happened to her father? Had they been wounded in battle or worse? Why would the king be calling for her at such a late hour? And she arrived at the palace. King David took her to his bed. And then he sent her home. Not long after, Bathsheba realized she was pregnant. Uriah would know 
he was not the father. Uriah would be furious. Uriah would feel betrayed. She knew nothing, didn't know what to do. She figured King David needed to know. King David attempted to cover up. Called Uriah home from the war. Discovered that Uriah had more integrity drunk than he had awake and sober. And so King David had Uriah killed in the battle. And then he graciously took Uriah's wife to be his. He had to take care of the widow. Oh, let's go back to the story with Nathan. Remember, David became very angry at this rich man who had butchered the poor man's lamb. He said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. One of the things about words printed on a page, you, you really don't know how they were said. And I can't imagine how Nathan did this. Well, I can. I, if I was making a movie out of this, I can imagine Nathan as an old man. David's kind of middle-aged. And Nathan is... Brash enough to lean over and to whisper into the king's ear. You are that man. And then he would step back and say, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I chose you to be king over Israel and I rescued you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and I put your master's wives into your arms. I also gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if all that somehow seems insignificant to you, I would have given you so much more as well. Why have you shown contempt for the word of the Lord by doing evil in my sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword, and you have taken his wife as your own. You have killed him with the sword of the Amorites, so now the sword will never depart, depart from your house, for you have despised me by taking the wife of Uriah the Hittite as your own. If you've ever watched a movie about David and Bathsheba, every single one of them makes it a romance. It's not. Every single description of what happens is David takes, David takes, David takes, David takes, David takes. And God sums it up this way. You despise me by taking the wife of Uriah the Hittite as your own. So here's where we're at. A few months after David married Bathsheba, after her husband had been killed, after David married her, her first son was born a few months later. 
I'm sure there were people doing the calculations. Scratching their heads. He doesn't look early. But your rival's gone. But her life fell into a predictable rhythm and life was good again until Nathan showed up. His short story about a stolen slaughtered lamb and uh, King David's angry explosion exposed his guilt and her shame to the world. Now, let me quickly point out the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is what we feel when we've done something wrong. Shame is what we feel when we feel like we are, we are wrong. And it usually is because of things that have been done to us. But the thing about guilt and shame, both of them, we love to keep them secret and they get worse and worse no matter how secret, we, the more we keep them secret. They grow in secrecy. You, you may not know how Bathsheba, what, what Bathsheba experienced. You may not know what she was going through, but you probably know someone who does. According to a recent article published by U.S. News World Report, victims of sexual assault are seeking treatment in U.S. emergency rooms in growing numbers. University of Michigan researchers are detecting a 15-fold increase between 2006 and 2019. And this means men and women. Rapes and other forms of sexual assault occur every 68 seconds in the United States alone. Their number rose from 93,000 in 2006 to nearly 140,000 in 2019, according to the FBI. That old saying, is true. Power corrupts. The supreme power of King David corrupted the compassionate heart of David the shepherd. The compassionate heart of David the shepherd is what erupted in anger when Nathan said this rich man didn't want to serve any of his cattle or sheep to his guests so he stole the poor man's little sheep and lamb and slaughtered it and butchered it and cooked it and gave it to his guest. The compassionate heart of the little shepherd boy blew up in anger, knowing exactly how that poor man would feel of having his precious lamb stolen by somebody so greedy they couldn't sacrifice an extra sheep out of their own flock. There were some glimmers of that heart there, but the power of being king and being able to have anything you want whenever you want it 
had corrupted him. He had moved from giving care to others to taking what he wanted from them. David took Uriah's wife and then he took Uriah's life and then David's family was filled with strife for the rest of his life, literally. His son, one of his sons, rebelled against him. And guess who gave him advice? Bathsheba's grandfather. I wonder why that happened. Not really. I know exactly why it happened. Treat my granddaughter like trash and you're going to be in trouble. The mama bears don't get you. The papa bear will find you eventually. Bathsheba was chosen and honored, though, by the king of kings. You see, she's the only one not named in this list. Because she's the one, only one who didn't volunteer to be in this list. Tamar did whatever she had to do to, in order to have sons for her husband, which was her responsibility in her culture. She did what she had to do. Rahab chose to leave her family, or her her. So to save her family and to leave her culture and her prostitution behind to serve God and join his people. Ruth chose to leave her family and join the people of God, even though she was a foreigner. The other woman's name we're going to talk about on Christmas Eve, her name's Mary. And she's the one who said, let it be as the Lord has said. Those four volunteered. Uriah's wife was taken. In to this line. But the Lord sees. He knows the pain of the abused and the molested. And he chose to honor her. Bathsheba's descendant, Jesus, can truthfully say to each one, me too. He was taken, arrested, beaten, stripped, butchered. He knows the pain. He's carried our guilt. He's carried our shame. This summary of Bathsheba's life is going to be our summary, is our sermon in a sentence this morning. 
taken and abused by a king, but chosen and honored by the king. There's the antidote to shame. We as human beings can give each other empathy, which is a great antidote to shame. But here's the ultimate antidote. To know that the king of kings chooses and honors us as his own. Jesus' genealogy includes Tamar, a woman, a woman who slept with her father-in-law seeking children and relief from shame. Rahab, a prostitute, commended for, was commended for her faith. Bathsheba was a victim of David's sins of adultery and murder. Ruth was a loyal, hard-working Moabite. She was a foreigner who, according to the laws of Moses was not to be admitted into the assembly of the Lord, and yet she became David's grandmother. Jesus was descended from a sexual assault victim, reformed sinners, and foreigners. Women who chose to follow and serve God. The, extension, the invitation that was extended to them and the invitation that they received is extended to you and to me as well. So are, are you ready to exchange taken for chosen? Are, are you willing to turn abused into honor? Are you ready to drown out the whisper that says, I'm a mistake? With the quiet voice of Jesus that says, You are mine, you are loved, you are cherished, you are precious. If you are, then welcome the one who knows your pain. Greet Jesus as your King of Kings, the Servant King, the Shepherd King. the slaughtered king, the sacrificed king who gives peace, joy, righteousness, faith, hope, and love. Let's pray. King Jesus, the celebration of your first coming is near. And your ultimate return is getting closer. But your presence with us is here, near, now. And we look for you with joyful expectation. Draw us close. Shine your light into our darkness. Renew our brokenness, restore our shattered worlds, reveal your righteousness, 
content. We tend to think of that in terms of, of rules. Reveal your right relationship with us. Plunge us into floods of your healing love till it flows through us to saturate the world around us. Flow into us. Flow through us. Heal us and heal those around us. As only you can do. Amen. Those of you who are online, we want to thank you for connecting with us. And I want to remind you, all of us, whether we're online or uh, on site, uh, to celebrate Christmas this year, we're going to uh, be reading the record of Jesus' birth and singing Christmas carols on Christmas Eve at 4 p.m. Uh, that's this coming Saturday afternoon, in case you haven't realized that. Uh, this will be an online uh, or on site uh, Christmas Eve celebration, and we'll replace the uh, Sunday morning celebration uh, that would be on December 25th. The question I have for you this week is, who will you invite to join you? Whether you're on-site or online, who will you invite? Who do you know that's close to you, but not yet close to Jesus, that you would like to share the story of Christmas with? Ask them. Ask them if they'd like to take an hour to find out what Christmas is really all about. We'd like to share their story with them. And with that in mind, when I ask you to join me in this prayer, to be aware of somebody Jesus wants to love through you. Let's pray. King Jesus, I want to ask you to bring someone into my life or to bring to my awareness someone I already know, someone you're waiting to awaken to faith and trust in you in a new or deeper way. Use me to plant your love into their life. Holy Spirit, open my eyes, open my ears, help me to see and to hear who you want me to notice in this coming week so that I can help them be closer to Jesus. Amen. You are sent. Go with Jesus.